Live from Anastasia's in Antioch, Bears Night in Chicago. Be part of Bears Night in Chicago in person or crack open an ice cold Miller Lite and watch us on Twitch.tv. Now back to Anastasia's in Antioch and Fleck and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago. Miller Lite, Anastasia is in Antioch. Come on out. We're here for the next two hours right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Black and Abdullah, we'll take your phone calls at 312-332-3776. we got to break this down, Abdullah. The Lions win yesterday 31-26. The Bears are now 3-8 and on the season. Here's the deal. The coach yesterday coached not to lose. Therefore, he lost. He didn't win the game. It was there. The Bears had a chance to win. Yeah, they did not do so. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't cool. Um, basically, when you are riding this wave of whatever Justin Fields is doing and how the defense is playing, like everything set up for them to win that game. We've talked about it before, running the ball efficient, efficiently. I know it was a lot of Justin Fields, but they had 185 yards on the ground. They generated turnovers, a ton of turnovers. Like this is a game where we talked about going into the game on the pre-pregame show yesterday that we were both expecting kind of a blowout by the Lions. The Bears responded. They were probably listening to us, using it as motivation as one does. Of course. But, yeah, they were piping. They, they had it on. Eberflus has us on in the locker room. I get it. It's fine. Uh, as motivation. And we all doubted them, right? And then they came out, and they were playing really well. The scripted plays were working. They go up 7 nothing like they have in the past, you know? They... Generate turnovers. Fields is, is throwing the ball well. He's getting the ball out faster. He didn't have any sacks or turnovers in the first half. Didn't have any sacks or turnovers till close to the end of the game. And then the defense kind of lets them down, and they weren't as aggressive. Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze were not as aggressive. And we've seen it time and time again in any football game. It doesn't matter the city. It doesn't matter the team. If you are not aggressive throughout the game, it will come back to bite you in the ass. And that is exactly what it did. Well, right. And there were points left on the field, multiple situations. Now, we could also point to the fact that the Bears' offense didn't score touchdowns. They were kicking field goals. But ideally, it was, you know, in the second half, there were situations where the Bears could have been aggressive, yet they didn't do so, and it came back to bite them in the butt. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what happened yesterday. And Matt Eberflus, this is something that we've seen from him now in two years. He's 6-22. and yeah. He is on pace to be the worst coach in Bears franchise history. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. This is no longer hanging out, hoping that we can figure something out down the stretch. When you lose a game like you did yesterday, there's only one solution to the way this season's going to end. Oh, yeah. It's going to end with the head coach getting fired at the end of the year, and the Bears are going to have to look for that new leader in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Ideally, I think there is salvageable parts here in front of us because yesterday what I saw from the quarterback after being out for a month, Justin Fields yesterday played well enough for him to be the guy in the future. That's what he did yesterday. Was it the best game he's played? No. He played well enough for him to win a football game, for this team to win a game, and to win more games in the future. Mm -hmm. The problem is everyone else around him let him down. The offensive line with bad penalties, mistakes, play calling issues. You also have the issues with the coach and the timeouts at the end of the game. Essentially, the quarterback did enough yesterday, and that's why you know I, I reminded myself on Friday to ask Sylvie about Jay Cutler. That game in Detroit where Cutler was doing everything. Yeah, Justin Fields was doing everything yesterday against the Lions. Well, yeah, absolutely. His team let him down yesterday. Well, here's the problem too, and and uh, why I believe that Matt Eberflus that was the that was the game that sealed it to me because 
if you're Ryan Poles and you're sitting up in the suite or the, wherever he sits up and is watching this game, and you're looking at the guys that you brought in, T.J. Edwards spent a lot of money on, uh, Tremaine Edmonds spent a lot of money on, Montez Sweat had a sack. Montez Sweat isn't in the game for the last drive that the Lions are on until they're at the 7-yard line. What are you doing? You gave this dude $95 million, and, and Eberflus, oh, well, that's just part of the rotation. BS is part of the rotation. The game is on the line. You get your best player out there. You look at guys like DJ Moore had 96 yards and a touchdown. Everyone that Ryan Poles brought in yesterday played well, right? All the signings, all the like a lot of the draft picks were playing well. Darnell Wright had a very good game until the very end. I know it's magnified because of the very end of the game, but up until that point... He was holding his own, and everybody, Justin comes back from injury after sitting out for four games, plays really well. Everything was working except for the coaching calls towards the end of the game. They weren't aggressive. Timeouts were used improperly or not used at all, and then, of course, you end up losing that game. That has to eat at Ryan Poles. They had, they, your best players that you brought in here for the foreseeable future were performing. Your quarterback looked like the part. He looked like he learned something while sitting out. He looked like he understood to get the ball out quicker. He was using his legs. I don't have a problem with him running the ball 18 times because I think it was part of the game plan. Again, something we talked about on the pregame show, that that's kind of the game plan. Look at their two games last year where he ran for over 100 yards in each game against the Lions. And so, okay, it's probably going to work again. And guess what? It did. It has to completely eat at him that his coach, who's probably going to be fired now at the end of the year, let that game get away. Yeah, and I think the thing that I, I continue to think about as I'm watching the game was that if someone else was at the helm, that game yesterday turns into a W. You know, and, and I think the thing that's smacking us all right in the face, that's an obvious place to go if the Bears fire Matt Everflus, mm-hmm. is Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh and a Jim Harbaugh coach team in that spot with a performance from that quarterback, you get a win in that situation. You can tell me that you don't like him to be the next guy for the Chicago Bears, but the thing that I'm going to argue with you all day long until I'm blue in the face is that his teams aren't going to choke the way that Eberflus' teams have choked multiple times yeah. this season and last season. I think that's the difference. Fields was good enough yesterday to win. Oh, yeah. And especially being out for a month and then showing up and being that smooth. No rust. Being able to, there was no rust. He was Straight. making good throws. Mm-hmm. And listen, if Tyler Scott could catch a football, yeah. the Bears win that game. Mm-hmm. That throw was great perfect. from Justin Fields. It was perfect. It was a great throw. And the I wide like, receiver needs to run through it. He needs to get that reception. That touchdown to DJ Moore, too, was a play that they had used earlier in the game and that he overthrew DJ Moore. They're like, hey, he was open. You just kind of overthrew that. They went back to it later in the game, scored the touchdown. It was perfect. Like, he's making adjustments in game. That's what. We've been uh, so critical of the Bears. Of they've made it, he made adjustments in game because we saw we've talked about it how the uh, the scripted plays always work. Bears are a very good team when at scoring on their first drive. The first fifteen scripted plays were working very well. The problem has been the offense isn't really moving after those those uh, first fifteen, and it was. The problem is they took their foot off the gas. You can't let teams come back on you. 14 points or 12 points, whatever it was, isn't enough. It's not enough against the high power. We This is a completely flipped game from what the Lions were two years ago. The Lions used to do this all the time. They were up big in games, and then guess what? They would lose them late. This is exactly what used to happen to them. You have to find ways to win this football game, these football games, and the way you do that is you don't let up. You show no mercy. Like This is the NFL. Teams come back in four or five minutes all the time. 
It happens every week. We're watching Red Zone around 3 o'clock every single week, and teams are pulling games out and finding ways to win, and it happens every single time. It happened yesterday to the Bears. I, I think the, the problem for me as a Bears fan is when you look at the way that they lost the game. You know, heading into the game, we expected Detroit to win. We also suggested that there was probably uh, a chance for a run here late in the season. You have Arizona. You have uh, Atlanta on the schedule, Green Bay. You have some winnable games. Even Minnesota, I know that they've been winning football uh, games as of late. They have a backup quarterback who's going to be starting for them next Monday. We kind of look at this situation. We say, what if the Bears could get four or five down the stretch in the Mm -hmm. final seven? We didn't expect yesterday to go towards the five wins. No. So it's still there. They could still do it. My problem, though, is the way that they lost the game. Yeah. Where the head coach's decisions led to the downfall of the team. And I think that's where we can point to yesterday in our conversation we had on the pregame show, suggesting that, hey, if the Bears get five of seven here at the end, or four of seven, and they get their their win total to seven or eight games, Iberflus could be back. Unfortunately, if they still do that, he's not the right guy for this gig. He just isn't. He's not going to get this team to the next level. And I think what you heard today when he, he joined Waddle and Sylvie, you also heard it on ESPN 1000 when he talked to the media, he just is pointing to positives and not facing reality that his team is not executing. He continues to paint this picture as if the opportunities to get things done are happening. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? It's like you saying you had an opportunity to uh, marry uh, Jennifer, An- Jennifer Aniston. I did. You, you had the opportunity. I did. Who, who did? It, ha- it hasn't happened. She's single, but, isn't but she? But you had the opportunity. Don't we all have the opportunity if she's single? And, and that's why it's flawed, mm-hmm. and it's not the case. And I think that's where, when we look at this whole conversation, the takeaway that I have from yesterday is that Iberflus is not going to be the guy next year. And we no. need to start talking about who will be the guy because I think there's some pieces here that will allow this team to flourish in the right situation. No, yesterday said it all. And I think that the way that he handles the media afterwards shows no conviction whatsoever. Stop worrying about feelings. This is the NFL. These are all grown men. Like, what do we do? They know they weren't good enough. They know they didn't play well at the end of the game. But also, some of his calls, you know, take ownership, too. Say, that's on me. And stop gloating about, oh, well, this worked well, and that's on the defensive coordinator, and that's me, too. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, you, you were playing a really good game. And then guess what? Your defense, who was generating turnovers, led up at the end and was playing soft coverage for the last six minutes of the game, yep. and it cost you the football game. That's Three, exactly what happened. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. It's Black and Abdal here on ESPN One Thousand, the ESPN Chicago app. We'll take your calls. It's Bears night in Chicago. You know something else that bothered me when we look at the fourth quarter and we look at the second half and how it kind of played out. The Bears went on a fourteen-play drive. And at the end of that drive, they ran the ball three times. They didn't pick up a first down. And they just conceded by taking a three-pointer, a field goal, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Instead of going for seven and building a lead and making sure that the Lions could really not reach them, they conceded. It's like they they ate all that clock. They led by 12. and, and, And getting the three points, yeah, you get two scores, but my math, if you're watching NFL football, two scores can still be 16 points with two touchdowns yep. and two-point convergence. Absolutely. So, like, it's, I don't know in what math. world Iberflus is living in this field goal era of NFL football thinking that teams are just going to concede and be like, oh, good point, Matt. You're up by two scores. Let's just kick field goals. Like, 
when they were only up by 12 with 4.15 left in the game, all I could think about sitting there on my couch was, well, they're going to lose this because they're not up by at least 14 or more. Well, also, there was an opportunity To give where yourself a safety net. You had fourth and one, and you could have gone for it. Could have gone for but it. But instead, you elect to kick a field goal. You take the three. And I, I understand you want points, but it's also... Soft. It's soft. That's well, what it, it is. is. But here's the problem. Matt Eberflus has no philosophy whatsoever because he contradicts himself all the time. We've come and done these shows with... Eddie Jackson with Lance Briggs, with Tom Thayer, with TJ Edwards. We've talked about it. He wants to control the game by holding on to the football. He's a defensive-minded head coach, but he's talked about time and time again that we want to possess the football. The game against the Broncos, when they went for it, when he should have kicked a field goal, instead of going for it, he went for it because he said we wanted to convert that first down and hold on to the football. Okay, why in this instance... Did you not want to hold on to the football? Why in this instance did you take three? Is it because everybody, you know, crapped on you for take for not taking the field goal when you should have? And you're like, oh, this is the same situation. It's situational football, but he's got no conviction to his principles. Not the hits principle. I don't care about those. I care about principles in the game. If your principle is we need to control the game by holding on to the football, which they did for over 40 minutes of that damn game. 40 minutes of that, and they lost the game. And... You go for it on fourth and one there when you've been able to move the ball down down the field on the Lions all game, and you don't do it there? You hold on to the ball by getting that first down. That's what you do. Well, I, I would also add to this uh, thought process that you have. Uh, the Chicago Bears have some pretty decent running backs, right? You think? they got like three or four of them. They've got a good running quarterback. Yeah. Uh, they also have a fullback, right, who's on the roster, Kari Blassingame. Yes. Okay, and their offensive line is pretty good in the run aspect, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why then, in any short yardage situation, one yard, fourth down, one yard, third, that's all you have to get is one yard. Why do they never line up in I formation, get the fullback out there, mm-hmm. get a lead blocker, push forward and allow your running back with a full head of steam to attack the line. Everything they've done this entire year is this wannabe tush-push nonsense from Philly. Every single time. Like, even if it's Justin Fields, put him in shotgun with a lead blocker, have the running back go first, have Justin Mm -hmm. follow, Mm -hmm. and just pummel into Mm -hmm. the line. Why can't you pick up a yard? That's what's so frustrating. You have all the tools. You have a fullback who's decent. Use them in these situations, and you win the football game. And like you mentioned, it was the Broncos game. Mm -hmm. Well, remember how the Packers game started? Mm -hmm. They went to Cole Komet under center with some nonsense. I saw that fourth and one, and I thought to myself instantly, I swear to God, if Cole Komet's under center, I swear to God. But they have the players to get it done. Why are they not calling plays that allow you to do it? I don't Don't know. try and be a bunch of wannabes. Well, Line up and push forward and get the first down. You win the football game. With six games left here, I uh, it's almost to the point, and I know we, we're very emotional and we're, we all watch the game and everybody's very frustrated by it because that could have been a turning point win for a franchise. Like, you just need one. You just need one. And then guess what? You got the Vikings on Monday Night Football. You get two without Kirk Cousins, maybe. It was a close game last game against the Vikings. Maybe you string together two wins. And I'm not saying that this saves the coaching staff or whatever, but that was an opportunity for Justin Fields to prove himself 
that, hey, I'm the franchise quarterback. He played very well. He's still got six more games to prove it as long as he strings together some more wins like this and then or some more games like this, I mean. And then you've got a coaching staff that is coaching for their lives because if Matt Eberflus doesn't work out here and he's not going to, I don't think anybody's going to give him a head coaching job after this. Luke Getze might be an offensive coordinator somewhere else, but he might have to go back to be a quarterback's coach and work his way back up because it's looking more and more likely that these in-game decisions aren't really going to matter because they aren't going to be here. It's like, hey, use the personnel. Dude, your defensive-minded head coach didn't have your highest-paid defensive player on the field at the end of the game when the Lions were just gashing you on every single play getting down the field. You knew that they had to throw the ball to move the ball down the field, and you didn't have Montez Sweat in there? That's ridiculous. It's Black and Abdallah. You can join the show at 312-332-3776. We'll take your phone calls here on ESPN 1000. At 7 o'clock, Lance Briggs will join us here at Anastasia's in Antioch. We're having a great time. We're drinking Miller Lite. It's Bears Night in Chicago right here on ESPN 1000. Live from Anastasia's in Antioch, Bears Night in Chicago. Brought to you by Miller Lite and Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago. Oh, yeah. It's Black and Abdallah, Bears Night in Chicago, presented by Miller Lite. We're at Anastasia's in Antioch. Come on out, hang out with us tonight. We have Miller Lite loft tickets to give away. Uh, you get to pick between the Arizona and the Atlanta home dates on the schedule for the Chicago Bears. Giving away a pair of tickets to the Miller Lite Loft at Soldier Field. you got to be here in person, standing room only. Yeah. Bear fan Bob just stopped by. What's up, Bear fan say Bob? hello to Bear fan Bob. Abdal, before we get to the phone calls at 312-332-3776, I was annoyed yesterday after the DJ Moore touchdown with uh, 441 left in the third quarter. I was annoyed that the Bears went up 19-14, up by five points, Mm -hmm. and they just kicked the extra point to make it 20-14. Agree with you. Why in the H did the Bears not go for two to try and make it at least a seven-point advantage at that point? I understand. The way the game kind of fell, it didn't really matter in the end. But in the moment... No, it doesn't all. sit right with me that the coach's response today, the Sylvie, was that because that's a third-quarter decision. No, they all matter. Come all, on. All that's points. weak. Listen, Chris, I dropped out of math school, but I do know this. More points is better than less points. That's what I know. Before I dropped out, they taught me that. DePaul University said, guess what? More points, better than less points. And to me, you know what annoyed me, since we're talking about annoyances? We went into that game... This is the 11th most penalized team in the NFL. And you had two delay games, and you had a false start that killed drives. Killed them because you ended up first and 15. You ended up second and 15. Like, it it was just bad. It was bad. And it wasn't – I expected some of them. But then you've got Justin Fields yelling at Feeney in the huddle because he doesn't know when to snap the football. Like, this is basic stuff, man. How many times did that have to happen? I, I mean, happened, Justin Fields, I saw it at least twice because then they had they had a delay. They, I think they had to take a timeout, and then they had to delay a game right after that. Well, right, but even those possessions were all kind of a jumble because Feeney and Fields weren't on the same page. Mm-hmm. So, like, even when the plays were being um, – when it was snapped correctly – like, Justin was off rhythm, and it seemed like they were, you know, the, the offensive line was on the verge of a false yeah. start every single time. Well, and going back to what you said, the that being a fourth-quarter decision, look at good head coaches in the NFL. 
They're making those decisions in the first quarter. They're like, hey, they missed an extra point. Let's go for two. Hey, this situation, we're up. To, we're only up two here. We need two more. Like, let's go for two so we make it more than a field goal game. Like, they're always doing the math in their head to make sure. You think you think that Mike McDaniels is sitting there worried about a, a, a fourth quarter decision, or is he making that decision in the first, second, or third quarter when it's when it's in the moment? It's in the moment. He's making those decisions because everything that is happening throughout a game matters for the end of the game. Well, and then that's what it all goes back to is that Eberflus clearly seems overmatched. Absolutely. He, he's not prepared for these scenarios. And therefore, his response the day after is he doesn't really have answers for the questions because he's not someone who's been a head coach before no. at any level. No. And that's where the Bears are at a major disadvantage compared to everyone else in the National Football League. There's only one coach that I can think of that's been on the schedule that he is equal to or worse than. And it was when they faced the Raiders. And we talked about it beforehand. That was it. That's it. And that's, then Josh McDaniels lost then, his job. And then him and the GM lost their jobs. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my point, is that you, you can't go into next season even if you win three games at the end against subpar competition and say this is the guy that's going to lead us because I can look at multiple games this season that the Bears have been in and last season and been like, this cost us the game, this cost us the game, and this if I'm Ryan Poles. And I'm pointing to these and I'm saying, uh, hand in your badge and your uh, iPad because that's it. It bothered me so much that the Bears didn't go for, it for, to, uh, go for two of 19-14 in the third. It also bothered me the way the final drive kind of took shape and how Matt Eberflus waited to call that final timeout when essentially all hope was lost at that point. The way the Lions ran that final possession down, you essentially are in a spot where you have no hope. He called that timeout, that first timeout, at 31 seconds left in the fourth quarter, and the ball was first and goal at the yeah. Chicago 1. The game's over at that point. Mm -hmm. You waited, and you know, if you jump out of a plane without a parachute, you didn't go to pull the parachute until you already <laughs> smacked into the ground. Yeah. Like, that's what this is. And, and my point, and I know we were discussing this with Carmen and Yurko earlier today, and I, I, th I agree with what Yurko was saying, is that if you force the Lions into a chaotic situation, there's a chance of a mistake. Mm-hmm. What Eberflus did, calling the timeout with 31 seconds left as the Lions were trying to gather themselves to get to the line, was that you gave them a break. He called the timeout and allowed them to set up yeah. for the winning play. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a head coach call a timeout to allow the other team to set up in the perfect situation. 31 seconds, you rush to the line. Okay, they get up to the line. They uh, need to... Uh, burn a play and throw the football to the ground to dirt it and to clock it there. Okay, so maybe you're down to, what, 17 seconds? Yeah. Maybe you're looking at 15 seconds. Okay, so it's second down, second and goal from the one, and you have a situation where then, after they waste a play and they're about to snap the ball, you could call a timeout. Yeah. Mess with them, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what you do. Mm -hmm. But this calling a timeout with 31 seconds left to allow them to figure something out to win. I've never seen that before. It, it's crazy to me that more people aren't up in arms over the way Eberflus handled the end of the game. And then Carmen's retort to us was, when would you have had him call the timeouts? Now, to, I have, Carmen's, I know when. to Carmen's point, 
Because the Lions kept converting on first and second down, it's difficult to say. But I I understand the way the NFL works nowadays, and you need to have time on the back end to allow your quarterback to try and score. And therefore, I would have used it with at least a minute left. So I would have um, given them time. Um, uh, second and one at the Bears 25. Uh, Montgomery up the middle uh, to the 15 for 10 yards. Right before that, when they got when first and 10 and they got nine more yards from Montgomery because they're just getting – because at that yeah. point in the drive, because before that it was golf pass, golf pass, Montgomery, golf pass, golf pass, golf pass. Once Montgomery was running on them left and right – I would have called a timeout because I forget who asked it in the media today uh, in the um, in the press conference to Matt Eberflus, but said, as a defensive coordinator, do you think you should have taken a timeout to give your defense a break and kind of get them together? That's where I feel like he needs to take control as a head coach and go, guys, settle yeah. down. Like, you need to settle down. Everybody's getting gas. Let's take a break. I understand that it gives the Lions more time, but at that point, they had started at their own 27 and ran one, two, three, four, five, six plays where they're just getting over 10 yards every single time, nine and 10 yards every single time. You take that time out and you're like, guys, get first of all, get swept back in the game because he hasn't been out there, which is ridiculous. I, I don't understand how he's standing on the sidelines on the most important drive of the game. Absolutely. It, I, I don't understand it. And the, the answer that he gave today was that it's a rotation. Well, it's a bad rotation. Yeah, I have your best players out there. I'm sorry, coach. Bad rotation can't happen. Mm. And, and if he calls, if he comes out of the the game for one play, that's okay. But he's staying there for multiple plays. That's crazy. What do you play? Sixty six percent of the snaps that's yesterday. I he's your top paid defensive player. You understand? It's not like he's coming back from injury or was sitting out or this. Like he was just like when they signed uh, Yannick Ngakwe. Like he didn't play in the first preseason game or the second. Whenever they ended up signing him. That's fine. He was out working out by himself. He wasn't in there. He was, like Sweat was playing. Sweat was playing a full complement of snaps for the for the Commanders. You bring him in and you go, "Hey, just go get the quarterback. Just go do your thing. Go, we'll figure it out. Go do your thing." We'll take your phone calls on the Bears. What are your thoughts after yesterday? Is Eberflus absolutely out in your book? And also, did the quarterback play well enough for you to say this guy deserves to be the guy for the future? We can win with Justin Fields. We'll take your phone calls at 312-332-3776. We're at Anastasia's in Antioch. We're drinking Miller Lite. It's Bears Night in Chicago on ESPN 1000. Welcome to Bears Night in Chicago. Live from Anastasia's in Antioch. Be part of Bears Night in Chicago in person or crack open an ice cold Miller Lite and watch us on Twitch.tv. Now back to Anastasia's in Antioch and Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago. We're having a great time here in Antioch at Anastasia's. We're drinking Miller Lite. Lance Briggs will join us at 7 o'clock to talk some Bears football. The former Bears linebacker, great. He played 173 games for the Chicago Bears. An absolute stud. Seven-time Pro Bowler. We'll be uh, pumped to talk with Lance when he gets here at 7 o'clock for the 7 to 8 hour here on ESPN 1000. It's Bears night in Chicago. All right, Abdallah. What do you think of my statement that Justin Fields played well enough yesterday to be the guy for the future for this team? I think he did. I think he proved that it's one. It's still one game, right? They still have to face very good defenses. You've got 
The Vikings are a top 10 defense. The Browns have the best defense in the NFL. And then I would assume that in two weeks, uh, the Lions would try to find a way to contain Justin Field on the, uh, on the ground and try to make him beat them with his arm, right? So I think that if he puts together two more of these, two out of those three, if he puts together two more good games out of those three games, then he's getting a shot at being the franchise quarterback, at least coming back next year, because those last three games of the season against the Cardinals, the Packers, and the uh, Falcons, those aren't very good defenses, and he should be able to perform well against those defenses. This is why I say it. Uh, The stats don't jump out and tell you that statistically he's on par with the other quarterbacks, but this team was in position to win yesterday. Yeah, 16 of 23, 169 yards isn't great. It's pedestrian as far as NFL quarterbacking standards goes today. The one touchdown was good. He only took two sacks, which is okay. Mm-hmm. He didn't make any bad mistakes, and that's the thing we've been asking for for two years. Don't make the mistake that kills the team. Now, some may suggest that uh, not getting rid of the football at the very end, the, the sack strip fumble and the, the turnover that turns into the safety, mm-hmm. some could maybe pin it on fields. I think your, your coach killed the, the team before that point, yeah. and I'm not putting that turnover at the very end of the game in a no-win situation because your coach doesn't know how to manage end-of-game situations on the quarterback. To that point, before that situation, fields I thought was great, and if Tyler Scott can make a catch... We are talking about a totally different vibe tonight. The throw was perfect. Just keep running. And he even admitted after the game, if he keeps running and catches that ball, the game's over. Well, he slowed up halfway, too, to Mm -hmm. look for it. Mm -hmm. Fields put the ball in a Mm -hmm. perfect spot that Mm -hmm. no defender could get and that only the offensive player could get to. And your wide receiver slowed his his steps, and he he hesitated. I do want to see Getzee change the game plan when you're supposed to, right? So yesterday, you can say, all right, 18 rushes for Fields is a lot, and it's not sustainable. I get that, but that was also the game plan. The game plan was, this worked last year, let's see if it works again this year, and oh my God, it's working. They haven't figured out how to stop him. And so he ran for over 100 yards, okay? Next week on Monday Night Football against the Vikings, we know from the first game that doesn't work. So you need to uh, adjust your game plan as such to find ways to take advantage of the Vikings. I don't know if they're going to be able to. That's a great defense. Also, can I give – I know they lost, but can I give out one game ball? Uh, Game ball or helmet sticker? Uh, Let's call it a helmet sticker. Let's call it a helmet sticker. He's got a pretty big helmet, I would imagine. Darnell Wright gets a, a, a helmet sticker for, okay. kick, for kicking the ball out of the end zone and pres- preserving the cover. Shout out to Darnell Wright, knowing that the boosters needed that cover. I appreciated it. Kick the yes. ball out of the end zone yes. so the Bears could cover the 7.5. That's a wise move by a, uh, not a veteran player, but a veteran move by a rookie player. Kevin in Oakbrook, you're on ESPN 1000 with Black and Abdallah. What's up, Kevin? Hey, guys, love the show. Yeah, you guys are talking about why Eberflus kept uh, Montez Sweat out on the last, the most important uh, drive of the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think that maybe he was he was saving him for overtime? Oh, <laughs> no, no. God, no, I hope not. Oh, no, Kevin. <laughs> no, that's the most coward way to play a football game. Playing, he's out there playing 3D chess. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. There's no. Also, if that's the case, if it was like, oh, he's not used to the snap count, he needs the rest. You got an extra day off of rest this week, guys. Come on. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> 
Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for the phone call. We go to Tom in Oak Lawn. You're on ESPN 1000 with Black and Dahl talking Bears. What's up, Tom? What's up, guys? So, um, first of all, I don't want a head, I don't want a coach that's scared to win games, and that's what Eberflus is. He is scared to win games. Uh, I mean, I, I must have heard him say like ten or twelve times, uh, "We kick the field goal, so then we can go up by two possessions and stuff, and be up by 12. Well, you're already up by two possessions, so I would think you would want to be up by three possessions. And then even when they got the ball back, why run the ball, you know, twice right into the teeth of the defense? Why don't you do a play action either on first or second down because they ha- they're they already expecting the run, you know, try to catch them with their pants down or something like that. So, But he is afraid to lose games and I want a head coach that is not afraid to lose games and then as far as uh, Justin Fields go I mean he played really good against the Lions but we've we've been through this before we we can't just look at one game against the uh, Detroit Lions and then forget about the whole body of work and we've seen this before where like he's had a great game and then all of a sudden he has like two or three bad games after that yeah. So I, I still want to see more consistency. And I, and I also think at this point, if we're still asking, you know, whether Justin Fields is the franchise quarterback after like the third year, then more than likely he's probably not the franchise quarterback. So, Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. It could be true. I just think that he's proven in this one game that he didn't have any rust. He did look to learn some things from sitting out and watching Bajan play and watch the... I'm not saying he learned from Bajan. I'm saying he learned from watching someone get the ball out faster and how this offense can operate if you get the ball out faster. If you step up in the pocket the way he did on the DJ Moore touchdown and actually progress the pocket you know, a little bit. I think, he's, I think that if he puts together... That's why I agree with Tom in saying that You've got to do it consistently. This isn't a game that's sealed that he's going to be the quarterback next year. This is a game that starts a potential run for him. That if you can win or find a way to compete and and you have a good game against the Vikings, you have a good game against the Lions again, you have a good game against the Browns, and then the last three games as well, then you can say, okay, seven games in a row with a bum thumb for a couple of them, like... This is something that we can build on. The, my, my point isn't saying that he played well enough to show that if that's the way he plays from here on out, he could be the guy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like One game, that one game yesterday, doesn't solidify that he's the face of the franchise going forward. But if he plays like he did yesterday for the final six games, yeah. then that's going to, like, based on the report that we heard yesterday from Ian Rappaport on mm-hmm. NFL.com, mm-hmm. that the Bears are approaching this offseason like they did last season, where they have to be blown away by a quarterback prospect to move off of Justin Fields. If Fields plays in the next six weeks like he did yesterday, he's your guy. Yeah, I think he does. But, you see I what also, I'm saying? Like but he, here's the thing, though. I want to see him do it in the different bad, ways, though. The, he can't have the bad games. Yeah, yes. you're right. Let's see against Minnesota, don't run the ball, throw for 300 yards, yes. and, and throw for three touchdowns. Yes, because and, and then you know that he's doing it both ways. We know he's a bum slayer, right? We've seen it this year. He beat the crap out of the Commanders. Bum slayer. Yeah. Right? Had a good game until the last quarter against the Broncos at the time. Broncos, bum slayer, right? 
He can do that. He's been able to do that his entire career, just like Trubisky was able to do when he was here. He can beat the bad teams. Now he's got to play consecutive games against good defenses. Jim and Berwin, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Jim? Hey, how are you? Um, I just have a little comment about the uh, 27 seconds left. I called about two weeks ago when we had um, three timeouts with Badgett was in it with a uh, minute 47. Sure. He didn't allow him to run it, and they took three knees. And I said it's going to catch up to them, and it did. The uh, coaching staff didn't look like they were lost. Uh, when you're doing a two-minute drill or even less than that, it should be the call of the uh, quarterback. And I wish Phoenix would have done a better play selection because he sees it. He's got 27 seconds to deal with it, and I thought he kind of, like, dropped the ball on that. He took too many steps back. They were going for, like, Hail Mary passes, and all you had to do is go for, like, a 10-yard pass. You have three timeouts. Just go for 10 yards, accumulate it slowly, but debate it. But the problem is they didn't allow these kids to have experience in it because every time they had it, I think it was the third game of the season where Justin had an opportunity also, even though we had blown away, they took three, three knees. And then they still think they had three timeouts. And I'm like, I'm screaming at them, let them, let them play it. And then two weeks ago with Badger, they said the same thing too, where, yeah, we, we, they were losing, but they didn't allow him or even the coaching staff to, to try a two-minute drill. And it, it caught up. I saw that. I was like, they look lost. And another thing too is that when Justin was running, he had the opportunity because the defense fell apart. And there was like two or three players he could have he rolled out and threw the ball. He didn't have to run because if you're worried about him getting hurt, he put himself at arm's way every time. And I was like, wow, he's, he's got, a, he's got a, a sore thumb. Maybe it's not 100%, but he's able to throw it. He looked good. But you don't, put a, you don't run the ball on the quarterback because you're, you're going to ask him to get hurt. And you just got him back. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, it was frustrating. Thanks for the call, Jim. Appreciate it. We go to James in Oswego. You're on with Black and Abdallah on Bears Night in Chicago. What's up, James? Hey, hey gentlemen. Good night. How you doing? We're I good, was man. Uh, just calling to say, you know, watching the game yesterday, the most disappointing part of it to me was the fact when they blew it, I wasn't really surprised or shocked. Disappointed, yes, but it didn't really surprise me because it just seems like that's where we are right now. You know what I mean? It just seems to be happening over and over. 12-point lead with a couple minutes left in the game, and you can't close it out. Yeah, it's pretty disappointing. Thanks for the call, James. Appreciate you. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it and you're sitting there with a lead 12 points, fourth quarter with 4.15 left, Mm -hmm. and as a Bears fan, you know that that's not enough. Mm -hmm. And going back to leaving points on the field, you willingly kicked extra points when you could have gone for two. You're kicking field goals when you could go for it on fourth and short. You, You have opportunities where you could have solidified a victory. You could have gone up by 20 points. That would have been that. But instead, like we see in every game around the National Football League, as teams come back at the end, the Bears were not prepared for that. With 4.15 left in the game, they had a 98.2% chance to win that game. 98.2. Well, they've got the 2%er on their team, Eberflus. He leads the 2%. Ridiculous. Coach Eberflus, leader of the 2%. The 2%. Look at this. this We drove by Great America on the way up here. This looks like Raging Bull. I mean, look at this. Straight down. Yeah, that's just straight down. That's a straight cliff Yeah, that the Bears' win probability fell off of. Ugh. We're at Anastasia's in Antioch. We're hanging out. We're drinking Miller Lite. We're having a great time. 
In about 10 minutes, Lance Briggs will join us here on set. It's Bears Night in Chicago on ESPN 1000. Live from Anastasia's in Antioch, Bears Night in Chicago. Brought to you by Miller Lite and Bleck and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago. We're at Anastasia's in Antioch. It's Black and Abdallah. It's Bears Night in Chicago, presented by Miller Lite. And now, former Bears linebacking great Lance Briggs joins us here on set. What's up, Lance? What's going on, guy? How are you? Oh, yeah. We've got a great atmosphere here. I know. This place, standing room only. Yes, it is. Here to yes, see you. Okay. <laughs> Let's rip the Band-Aid off. Yesterday was terrible. Abdallah and I spent the first 45 minutes of the show uh, complaining, yelling about what we saw yesterday. Um, Let's get into these greats. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys, you know, again, perspective is everything. Perspective is everything. You know, uh, I go back over and over and I say, you know, we, no one expected this to be a, a, a championship year for the Bears. We didn't. We, we, we knew that going into it. We knew that in the offseason. Um, but what, what I did see, I saw 56 minutes of inspired play. That's what I saw and the, the, the changes that, that need to be had. And this was a healthy, this is the healthiest the Bears have been um, pretty much all year. Mm-hmm. This is the healthiest they've been. We got to see them at full strength, and they played one of the best teams in the league, definitely the best team in the NFC North, yeah. uh, tooth and nail all the way to the end. Now, we fixed those last five, four, four minutes of the game. Um, we're, we're, we're rolling, okay? We learn how to finish. Um, I think we're a lot closer than people think. You know, there are pieces that are going to be added to this team in this offseason, and, uh, and I think we're a few pieces away. Okay, I, I like that you say that. Mm-hmm. Four minutes to go. I don't think it was the players that really let the team down. Aye. I think it was the decision-making from the coaching staff that let the team down. I think you're right. I think the pieces were there. I think they played well enough to win, and they could have gotten it done. But I think their coach let them down yesterday. <laughs> Why do you think that? Okay, well, tell me, tell me, get, okay. Explain to me the, 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 the decision that the, that the coach made <laughs> that let you down. I don't like the way he handled that last possession that Detroit had. They, they continued to eat up yardage. The defense was tired. He didn't call a timeout until 31 seconds left. At that point, Detroit was already down to the one-yard line. You've lost the game because you're not going to be able to put up a goal line stand, and you're not allowing enough time for your quarterback to come back down and give yourself a chance with a field goal. So you're talking about one of the two 75-yard drives? Yeah, the final, the final one from the Lions. Okay, so we go. Okay, so, okay, so yeah. let's set this situation up. Um, you play fifty-six minutes of this game. Going into the, that that final four minutes in the fourth quarter, you're up two scores. Yeah, you're up two scores against the Detroit Lions, who are number one in the NFC North. You couldn't be in a better situation. You couldn't ask for a better situation yeah. defensively. Okay, that's that's the that's number one. Number two. You had two 75-yard drives down to score, all right? That's not, you know, there, there, there's, there, are, there are no calls that the coach made during those two 75-yard drives that Detroit drove down that were, that were bad. It was execution. You know, I know a lot of those calls that were made, you know, um, it was execution. There was an opportunity for uh, Tremaine Edmonds to get us off the field or p- potentially make them kick 
kick a field goal and get our offense back on the field. He misses a, a crucial tackle. It's a crucial tackle on Jameer Gibbs, and Jameer Gibbs has his back to him. He has his back to him. You're, you're rushing in. He doesn't know if you're coming this way or that way. Your job is to get him down before he gets to that first down marker, okay? Um, that, to me, it was, it, was, it was one of the most disappointing plays to me from him, and, and he's a guy that I think has to, has to raise his level of play every week, just like the rest of the linebackers. Um, the other play uh, is the corner route. There was a corner route that was called, uh, and they were either in cover two or cover four. All right, it was obvious from the, from the opening of the, of the play, of the snap, when Jalen Johnson opened his hips and started to hinge, okay? Now, whether it was cover two or cover four, all right, none of that, none of those plays require a safety to be, uh, a receiver to be beyond the safety, okay? That, to me, tells me that, that, that Eddie Jackson's eyes were in the wrong place, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, in those two 75-play dri- drives, drives, to me, it wasn't the call. It was players not being, uh, not being able to finish. Okay, let's dissect this more. Lance Briggs is here with us. Bears night in Chicago. We're drinking Miller Lite. We're at Anastasia's in and Antioch. Water. And water. It's Black <laughs> Abdallah, Lance Briggs. We'll be back in two minutes right here on ESPN 1000. <laughs> <laughs>